so yeah, my trivia question for today, because we are talking about M. Night Shyamalan's The Shyamalan Sixth Sense. Um, in the early 2000s, a magazine called Newsweek came out with M. Night Shyamalan on the cover. And in big, bold letters, it said, the next blank, as in like the next big director. So multiple choice. We'll start with I I, Nate. I think I know the answer. Which... Fuck. Well, like Damn. I'm just guessing Anyways. because I, I really have no idea, but I have an I have a guess. I don't even want to hear the multiple choice, but you can give it if you want. All right, no multiple choice then. Which filmmaker? <laughs> <laughs> see how it, we'll see what happens. Uh, which filmmaker was M Night Shyamalan compared to being like the next big filmmaker? Oh, it, I, won't, I think I know them. It has to be Hitchcock, right? So I'll I'll do multiple choice. Multiple choice. We have Steven Spielberg, Wes Craven, William Friedkin, who did The Exorcist, and Alfred yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah, it's got to be Hitchcock because of the twists and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, I would probably style. say that, but just for shits and gigs, I'll say Spielberg, just because Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he has so, dabbled in the big box office the films too. The director that he was compared to on Newsweek magazine was. <gasps> What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. so and the fact that you have, have a printout a... of it is awesome. <laughs> what the, wait, I'm like, wait, he has a physical copy of for this. The joke. <laughs> uh, no, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, but no, because this was this has stained M. Night Shyamalan's career since it came out in the early 2000s. Because making a big, bold statement as the next big Spielberg, that this was after the success. This was after, I think, Signs. Because uh, he's posing in a fucking cornfield, but uh, <laughs> that that kind yeah. of tarnished his his image because after that he never lived up to all these great movies that he uh, kind of started out with. So uh, people kind of go back to that article and that cover as in like, oh, well, that kind of cursed M Night Shyamalan's career, uh, calling him the next. That's Spielberg. quite the jinx. And that's a fucking huge that's statement. That's quite the jinx. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a you're gonna, you're gonna compare him to one. arguably one of the best directors ever. And then yeah. he comes out with a movie with like Avatar, I mean, which I haven't seen. But yeah, but no, it was right after Signs. He did The Village, which was kind of divisive. I like The Village. I uh, think then it's he, then he did yeah. The Happening, and then Last Airbender. Let's not forget so, about I mean, Unbreakable. Like, that was 2001. That would have been after this article came out. That's true. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah. So he had done Signs, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and he was the screenwriter for Stuart Little. So he okay. didn't immediately Great. die off, Great. but slowly declined very soon obscurity. after <laughs> like he he yeah. probably like already had the scripts done for uh unbreakable and then this article came out then the film came out and then he just went downhill from there pretty bad i mean if you were on the cover saying you were the next like jordan peele and like today's age like imagine that pressure to continue making great films i mean that would just yeah yeah be hard to live up to that. i would question but everything else anyways. after that i'd be like Oh God! Yeah. Was it just lightning, like caught in a bottle, or can I do this a second time? And he's definitely had the opportunities, like you said, the village and um, Unbreakable. Those I love both of those movies. The village was different, but I kind of liked how I, I, li- I like the village. D- deserves yeah. a rewatch. For I mean, me. I'm positive because I think like, the music. I went in and knowing that a lot of people didn't like it, but I don't know the twist in that one. Mm, I could take it or leave it. That one's it's not as well paced as his previous films, um, but anyways, yeah. Uh, so Nate, congratulations! You are the uh, the winner of the Sixth yeah. Sense Collector's Corner <clears throat> trivia question. 
Uh, John, better luck next time. I was kind of worried that both of you guys already had heard about the story. Was Hitchcock so why I was like, one oh, of shit. your initial multiple choice but options? It was the fourth one. I came up with Wes Craven, William Freakman, like, on and the spot. Albert Hitchcock. I was trying to think of like, oh, yeah, shit. like, well, no, no, I wrote these down like okay. ten minutes ago. But I was trying to think like think of directors that would be like comparable to M. Night Shyamalan Bef- and Hitchcock because of the uh, twists yeah. and suspense. yeah. Before you like even said it, Spielberg popped up into my head. And I was like, I think that's it. But then when John said Hitchcock, I thought that made more sense because of the horror thriller type genre. But then I was like, okay, Spielberg cool. makes more sense because he was more, more relevant sense. at the time, I guess. He had made all the block Jaws and all those movies before 99 where Hitchcock was more in the 60s. And also at this time, Sixth exactly. Sense really was technically a blockbuster because it, it mm-hmm. caught on. It was like the one of the biggest word of mouth films fucking ever. Like, yeah, it was a sleeper hit. Yeah. And it had Bruce Willis uh, in yeah, it. Because, like... I mean, we'll get, yeah, we'll get into it. But um, anyways, yeah, so Nate, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, this is Collector's Corner, hosted by us, those movie dudes. It's the show where one of us dusts off a film from a physical media collection. We put it in the Blu-ray player to watch, and then we get together, talk about it, what we liked, didn't like, why we bought the film. And this week... We pulled a film out of my collection, and we went to a film that I was introduced to when I was like seven or eight years old. I think I was like the age of Haley Joel Osment's character in the film when I first watched it, and it scarred me. It terrified me, but it's The Sixth Sense, <laughs> starring Bruce Willis, directed by M. Night. Look at that, Shot bare Wall. bones Blu-ray. Um, Look at that. How long have you had that on the shelf? I, no, I actually, this was one that I put off buying for a while because I had seen it, like, I don't know, a handful of times um and i couldn't find it on on blu-ray like it was one of those like bull moose pre-owned editions that was like 797 that you just randomly find one day it's like oh shit like i've been wanting to get this for a while and same with the uh, signs i'm still waiting to find that pop up at bull moose someday and i still have yet to to pull the trigger but um yeah it's one of those days where i just walked into bull moose and it was there i'm like okay I, I don't have this in my collection so i gotta gotta pick this bad boy up um i remember but a little oh, bit of sorry no, I was just saying, I remember Unbreakable, like, his older films are, like, for some reason, really hard to find on Blu-ray. Like, Unbreakable, I had to, like, I looked many times at multiple Bull Moose stores, never really found it at, like, Best Buy or Walmart or anything. I think I just got it on Amazon at one point. But, uh, they're, for some reason, harder to find than you would think. It, it's had, a, like, new releases, though, since, like, Glass and Split came yeah, out. Those they were easy. like, oh, here's another market. Day. Let's just re-release them. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But I remember at that time, too, because you guys were looking for them, and I always made a made it a plan whenever I went to Bull Moose just to look and see if I could Same. find it. You may it. have been the one to find Six Sense for me when we went to Bull Moose one time. Like, that probably was the case. <laughs> uh, I don't quite remember, but... I actually pulled off the pre-owned sticker on it when I went to pull it out to watch it last week, so it still had the pre-owned sticker on it. Um, but uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Like I said, I watched this movie for the first time when I was seven, and it petrified me. I had to sleep with the lights on. Uh, I didn't really know what uh, ghosts were. I thought basically ghosts were just Casper. They're friendly, but no, they're, <laughs> they're real people with like wounds yep. and missing brains. Um, so yeah, it freaked me out. But you guys, I believe, have seen this film before. Nate, how many times have you seen this? We One. watched this it. This was your second time watching yeah, it? Yeah, we watched it in college, I remember, because we got uh, pizza from the Dickerman Dining Center, or Grab and Dick, as we used to call it. And, yeah, the Grab uh, and Slut. Oh, no, not the... Yeah. Well, was it the Slut or the Grab and Dick? I think it was both. You Or was uh, it the, the to-go place? Both. So that would have been the yes. Grab and Slut. Yeah, because I think we ordered a pizza ahead of time. 
Ghost pepper had like some. Remember he had ghost pepper. Yeah, cheese. the ghost pepper. That's guy. what it was. Yeah, because it was up. fucking hot. <laughs> ghost pepper cheese. It was so hot. But yeah. yeah, no, that was my first time, and I think the pizza helped because it it felt like a, just a chill '90s experience, just having pizza and watching The Sixth Sense. Like it was, it was fitting, very fitting. And John, this was your second time watching it since you first watched it, like ten years. I ago? definitely like. I, I know. I remember you talking about it a lot. Um, the only. I mean, I'm pretty sure we watched it on DVD in your basement at one point, and, like, you knew the twist, and somehow I didn't, even after hearing the Lonely Island song a million times, like, throughout middle <laughs> school, like, playing that on my, like, iPod Nano 2 gigabyte over and over again on the bus, and for some reason still didn't realize that Bruce Willis, <laughs> I mean, it's dead. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't know. I mean, it's in the song. If you heard the song, then you would know, but... um. Yeah, but no, I guess I not, don't. But it, you just well, yeah, that I, wrong. I really <laughs> didn't register. It's, I think it's because like I don't really listen to lyrics. I like like the kind of like like the vibe of a song. I don't really listen and pay attention to what they're actually saying, so it never really registered yeah. in my head. Um, You're just walking around downtown Freeport, just screaming in, in my pants. pants. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know what the song. I don't know. About. <laughs> I'm just enjoying. I probably, even when honestly, he sings that line, like, what is this <laughs> maniac dude? Kid at the doing? time, I probably didn't even know what the song was about realistically. But um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I was able to watch Jizz the movie was. for the first time and not know what was going to happen. Like I, I, I was able to experience the twist the way it was meant to be experienced. So not going me. in this time, I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, here we go. Like we're going to actually get to see this um, through a different lens, which was cool. I was excited to do that. So yeah, ten years later or more, maybe. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been since college with you, Nate, since I rewatched it. So, I mean, it's been maybe, I don't know, six, seven years. I don't know. Maybe it's been... Which is fucking crazy. Yeah, that makes me sick <laughs> in my fucking stomach to think about. <laughs> this is one that I love to just go back and revisit. It's kind of why I picked it. Uh, just because the whole... The way this movie tackles the concept of ghosts, I find so chilling. I mean, I was terrified of it when I was a kid. Now I just look at it and I'm like, okay, this is actually a brilliant use of storytelling on how they're able to introduce these ghosts as characters and what they are trying to communicate with this kid that can see them. Um, I just thought it was really interesting and cool because, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I hadn't really seen the concept of ghosts before this movie, and it just blew my mind. And plus, just the performances are great, the storytelling's excellent, and the, the twist. Like, once you know the twist, every time you rewatch this movie, you see something that kind of complements it and that kind of foreshadows it. So it's just a very interesting movie to kind of go back to and, and revisit. But as you guys are discovering, this is their second time watching it since you first watched it. Nate, what would you think of this little rewatch? Mm. I will I will say with this movie having probably the biggest twist ending ever, arguably, um, knowing the end did kind of damper it a little bit just because... You already kind of know, but you can also do like what Spencer said. You can pick up on a bunch of little things. And this movie, the second time around, I appreciated all the scenes that Bruce Willis was included, like with his wife and like the whole dinner scene. Cause I watched the, the first time we watched it, I knew the ending cause I was 20. Yeah. You've been alive for long enough. Like that? To yeah. Have it spoiled. You know the twist. You're not yeah. stupid like but me. Being able to appreciate how he does it and the dialogue and not having the dialogue run over to give anything away, I thought was written really well because you could flub that up with any words that could be like, Oh, they're not 
or he's not really there or she can't really see him. And they did it in a really smart way with her grabbing the check as he goes for it. So you kind of, they intertwine all these things that could actually happen if they were having a real date. Because she even looks up to him like from time to time. One and, time, like, it looks like scene. she's making eye contact. But I mean, you could you could argue that she's just looking up at like uh, the restaurant, like people walking by or something. Uh, yeah, because there are there's so there's so many subtle moments too. Like the line right after Haley Joe Osment says, "I see dead people." It's literally a push in on Bruce mm-hmm. Willis's face. It is. It's like here, <laughs> look at this. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's that's what's. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Nate, if you want to. Oh, no, I was just like, the way they handled it was just really well. And I think a lot of it was the dialogue with the wife being able to be like, oh, happy anniversary, or why did you leave me? Just these super vague lines that complement the fact that he's not really there. And yeah. it fooled a lot of people. <laughs> so I kind of, I wish I had that experience with it without knowing, but. Sure. It, it allows you to appreciate it in a different way. The whole time, the movie is trying so hard to tell you what's really happening. Like, it really, after knowing at the surface, it's like, it's so blatantly obvious. Um, but in the end, it, it's still not because he does so much good misdirection and just kind of like hiding subtle things. Like when he's trying to get down into the basement and you don't you don't realize why he can't open the door but until the end. But I, I think that the only thing that was just not obviously not as impactful which is obvious was the kind of the final realization at the end because i remember like my heart skipping a beat kind of like i was like holy shit what do you what but this time it's <laughs> like you, you obviously you know what's going to happen and that whole he's kind of like shuffling through the moments going back in time and realizing what was really happening throughout those scenes and it, it doesn't have the same impact but it was so fucking cool to to see all the subtlety and the way that m night kind of just like tiptoes around these sequences throughout the movie to give you those subtle hints like every single scene really really does have something in it that is hinting at what's really happening oh yeah i mean he never wears anything just kind of a variation of the clothes that he died in like throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie yeah and he- um there's also a scene when they go to the wake of the young girl that died from a poisoning and like uh Malcolm is behind Cole. Isn't he in the and sweatshirt? And then it cuts to like a different angle, and then like his shadow isn't there anymore. And so it's like, okay, so like it, he's really just a ghost. But it's like, yeah, if you if you know and you watch this movie, you go every scene, you'll find something where it's like, okay, yeah, like he's they're playing it like he's a a ghost because Bruce Willis played the character as if he was just a real life person. He tried to forget the whole twist because when you read the script, uh, he was so like blown away and was like, holy shit, did not see that coming. And so then he kind of tried to forget about it and then just play the role as if he was just a straightforward child psychologist. And uh, I think it worked because, yeah, you never really know unless you're looking it's, for it. It's really cool kind of like every scene with him and Haley Joel Osment, he basically just appears. Like something happens with Haley Joel Osment and it gives him a reason to be there sort of. Like the scene when he gets – he's – he reveals something like crazy about that teacher's past in the classroom, and then all of a sudden he's talking to Will, or, uh, Bruce Willis, in that in that room. Like he just comes out of nowhere. It's like he's there at a convenient time to hate to help Haley Joel Osment, and like without knowing the ending, it doesn't really seem weird because movies jump from scene to scene like that. They don't have to show a character arriving somewhere, but for some reason it does add to the fact that he's just sort of this ghostly figure appearing when needed. And when he says he's a, and when he says he's a doctor, in the late '90s, 
audiences, I think, just took that for what it is. Like, oh, he's a doctor. Of course he's going to be there if the kid has a problem. Um, the one that kind of threw me for a loop was the where he's in Cole's house, sitting like across from his mom. The initial meeting? Yeah. yeah well, right, when he first meets ex- him? Yeah. Yes. And so like knowing the ending, it's kind of odd because you're like, oh, why would he be there kind of thing? But if you were an audience in 1999, you'd be like, oh, he's a child psychologist. The mom probably. And you piece it together in your head. You assume without things. Never it assume. Being, it makes you look like an asshole. And yeah, instead of it spelled. <laughs> that's why Shyamalan was so yeah. smart, because he just let the audience think what he wants them to think. And then that's how he got them. And I think he lost that later on. But that was the exact scene I was going to mention. Um was yeah that scene when Cole comes home and they're both sitting in that chair and they're both looking over their shoulder as if like Cole's walking in but they're not talking but when you first watch the movie you're thinking oh yeah she probably hired this child psychologist to figure out what's wrong with her son and they probably were just having a conversation that Cole walks in but you can also see in that scene Cole's uh, hesitancy because he doesn't really know this Malcolm guy yet and that's uh, probably my favorite scene of the movie was what happens right after next where they play that game where he's yep. like how about we play like a mind reading game uh, if I can like predict what you're thinking you can you take a step forward to the chair if i get it wrong you can take a step back towards the doorway and you can go about your day and they have that game and he you know does a really good job of reading cole's mind but it was also probably if i were to single out any scene of bruce willis's best performance it was probably probably that scene mm-hmm. when he was interacting with cole i was like he was because it's all in bruce willis's reactions especially when he gets the answers wrong um, or yeah when he gets yeah. up wrong and Cole starts backing away and then Cole reveals he's like oh yeah like I was drawing those like terrible images in class and like I was like made fun of and people like think it's, I'm a freak and like everything is just in Bruce Willis's eyes in those moments and it's like damn it's pretty fucking it's cool. also it's probably my favorite that, scene. that is a wonderful scene but I, it's something about the sequences that Shyamalan's able to put together in all of his movies like they all have a very similar tone to them like for some reason that scene it has a certain sense of repetition to it, just like the one in Unbreakable with the with the uh, the plates. He keeps putting more plates on, keeps putting more plates on. It's it's just kind of a weird, almost nostalgic sense of atmosphere that he was able to make in his movies that is unlike any other director I've seen. It's like the the pacing is so interesting, along with the music that goes along with it. In all of his movies, it just feels so. I don't have a, I don't know what to describe it as, but I love it. And it's it's throughout well, just how movies. he just how he shoots it as well as in like anytime he gets the answer right the camera goes from Cole's point of view it'll kind push of pushes in a in, little bit as it gets closer or if he gets it wrong the camera kind of pulls back and it's like oh this is this is really it's like unique brilliant. filmmaking too and that yeah, that's why really every, cool. I mean honestly that's probably why there was Newsweek coming out and being like he's the next Spielberg because it's it's really is brilliant filmmaking yeah. <laughs> um, until they give him a horrible property to ruin his reputation so I think when he when he doesn't get too ambitious um, and he actually yeah, when he gets too self-indulgent, it gets ruined, but it's movies like this and Unbreakable where he doesn't go over the top. He actually thinks about it and makes a story that's cohesive with multiple different sort of levels to what's actually going on, like this one, where it ends up being a brilliant, timeless movie. He he makes you believe that this universe he's created is real. Like in Unbreakable, like you said, with the plates while he's benching. Him putting the, all the plates on and easily lifting them just gives you the impression like, oh, something is really up. It's so grounded, Like, too. he's doing it with so much ease. Why? And it's it's like, it's making you ask questions 
and you have to watch the rest of the movie to answer them. So I think that's why it was really smart, especially in this one. And the way he, like, with the framing, and like you said, with those POV shots, it's you're not just watching characters, you're being the characters, and you kind of... He also gets so much of what's going on in their head, you can really relate to them, if that makes sense. I mean, that scene that you guys just mentioned in Unbreakable when he's benching, they, he even shoots it in a POV style, You're too. Right. When he's, when he's yeah. going down on the bench press, the camera drops down with yeah. him in bird's eye, and then when he's pushing away, he's pushing up as if he's like bench pressing the fucking audience or something. It's so cool. It's like, holy shit, like the weight. Yeah, he, he does very interesting stuff with the camera. I mean, he, he always has, and he's always worked with very unique uh cinematographers this one was a japanese cinematographer i forget his name like talk something he's done a couple of things but he's worked with like roger deakins and other cinematographers as well so i mean yeah it's just it's i think night. another thing about m night is his minimal use of dialogue where the line like when lines are said like they truly matter like he doesn't just throw in a bunch of random dialogue like every little thing is like like there there's a lot of like pauses and and reaction shots and stuff like that but it it just his way of storytelling like everything that comes out of like Haley Joel Osment's mouth is like pretty crazy like oh like oh man it's it's like a lot of it is like holy shit type of moments and, and um yeah. i think that's a huge testament to him as a screenwriter because uh watching the special features behind the scenes you get interviews from M Night and he said that he went through like four or five different drafts like he wrote a full draft and then like loved it and like reread it hated it threw it away <laughs> started from page one wow. he did that, like four or five times like initially uh bruce wilson's character malcolm he was a uh crime scene photographer hmm. there was no cole character in one of the other drafts it was just a whole it was all about malcolm um and finally he came up with cole and he's like okay this is interesting and then what uh, solidified it was him coming up with the twist ending. And he's like, oh my God. Cause he's, he's like, if I don't have the audience up until that moment, that moment's going to make me have the audience. So it's like, he's like, he was set, he said in the interview, he's like, that's like basically having Michael Jordan waiting to like line up a three pointer at the end for you. Cause it's just like, you know, it's going to yeah, go off if I don't, yeah, with, exactly. a, with a huge bang. And it did, but yeah. So, I mean, he, he took his time with the screenplay and he, apparently made it like the most personal film possible i mean he tried to like channel in like what scared him as a child apparently he never went over to like sleepovers because he was terrified of like people's houses and shit so i mean he's always been like scared of ghosts so he put like a lot of himself in cole's character and, and whatnot so even a, yeah it's just fucking even aside from like the surface level narratives of like ghosts and the sixth sense and and all that stuff and relationship issues is also very present nate a family family drama um it, it's like like all these people are trying to learn to communicate in one way or another and by communicating with each other is helping them communicate with the people that were struggling to communicate in the first place. It's, it's, it's super weird. Like, like them coming together helps Bruce Willis with his wife and it also helps the mother communicate and figure out what the hell's going on with her son, uh, with her son. And it's like, and then it helps her figure out what's going on with her grandmother. It's like, it's it's very multifaceted that it's not just at the surface and that's a testament to his writing and the multiple drafts that went into this, I guess, that helped and, flesh and, out these characters so well. And funny that you say that because that whole concept of Cole and Malcolm helping each other leads to my favorite scene in the whole movie that almost made me cry mm -hmm. was the whole the whole scene where they're in traffic and Amazing. it's just Cole and his mom and Cole's just like, I want to tell you my secrets. And he does this so smart because movies nowadays, you would just have the parents go, 
honey, that's not logical. That's not happening. They kind of shut the kid down, but Tony Collette really drives it forward with her facial expressions. Like, cause she's like, Cole, come on. I'm not in the mood for this until she, he, she hears the dancing and then the question and he, all he knows is the answer and it's every day and she just breaks right down. You know, she believes him right there. And yeah. it was just the, it's so vulnerable. I've felt like that before where I've had a hard time speaking to a parent because you don't think they understand. But then sure. the day that you figure that out, you just you send your relationship to a whole nother level because you're able to talk about the most intimate things and feel safe. And that was such a relatable scene. You just felt comfort, relief. Yeah. And you felt that like almost that broken bond or that tethered bond that they had kind of fix itself because they weren't able to communicate. So uh, that one tears could have went. I, oh, I held back a little bit, but because only seeing this a second time, like I forgot about honestly, probably like 90% of the scenes in this movie, like obviously like mm -hmm. the big scenes, like I, I forgot about the opening scene, like the, it's basically a prologue to the film. Um, and I, the only thing I really remembered was the, I see dead people scene, but I forgot about the little hints in there and the, the, the camera movements and stuff that he uses to basically show that. Haley Joel can see his bullet wound the whole time. Like he, he knows he really does. I mean, it's, and I, that, that was one of my bigger questions of the movie is like, cause he always says he can see dead people and the dead people don't realize they're dead and they're everywhere all the time. But does he see that Bruce Willis is dead and why doesn't he not hint at it? Oh, he knows. Sorry. No, he definitely knows that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. I mean, but he's not scared of him. Like seen he is the rest. Bruce Willis is, um, uh, sorry. He's yeah. It was right after he got shot. It was like the next fall, and he's sitting outside on a bench reading a newspaper or something. And then Cole comes out of the he house. He follows him. They they look at each other, and then he kind of like speed walks away. Like he's kind of like freaked out. And then he, the same scene or the next scene when he comes home and he's sitting there with the uh, the mom, and he's like kind of hesitant to who this oh, I guess person I is. But that. it's Cole too because Cole is just he sees dead people and he's terrified. He runs away from them until that one scene when you see the little girl throwing up in this tent. And he runs away, goes hides behind the couch, and he's like, wait a second, like what Malcolm said, like maybe they want something, maybe they're trying to communicate. He goes back. I'm going to take this risk, and I'm going to go back and listen yeah. to see who this, what this person wants. And like that scene, when, like he takes the sheet off uh, the ghost. I mean, we've always seen ghosts is like under the sheet and mm -hmm. stuff, and he finally takes it off. And then after it's that, just a little girl. he's somehow found like comfort in his gift of seeing dead people it's like maybe i can help and he goes on and helps like the the burned woman or something or like the woman who has been abused by the husband um that also oh, i remember i, I, I completely girl. forgot yeah. about the whole that little girl i forgot what yeah. happened so when i saw the videotape Holy my jaw shit, dropped dude. because i forgot that that happened oh, yeah. so i was like oh no that way so much when I was a kid, I would I wouldn't eat for my mom. <laughs> oh my god, mom, this movie really fucked me? you up, dude. <laughs> dude, I slept like literally. I didn't. That was the first night I didn't sleep because I was that scared. Wow. I slept with the light on. I slept with the door cracked open to make sure like my parents. I could see my parents' light on, and when that turned off, I got freaked out even more. <laughs> I kept running up and like looking to see if the light was still on. Uh, I was I anytime I like, walked out of my room to go to the bathroom, I felt like I was like that cold in that scene. It's like I got to go to the bathroom. You gotta run, and, and he sprints back to his room. Yeah, 
Yeah, because I'm like, I know if I look down the stairs where my bedroom is, like I might see someone standing at the bottom of the stairs, like looking up. I'm like, I don't want to see them. I still like, do that. Exist. I'm still like that now. I literally <laughs> gonna say that. Like, I I live by myself. Yeah. Like, I, there's a lot of creepy corners in my house after the after watching this movie. At least, I mean, it's because oh, it's yeah. such, it's such grounded yeah. horror and tension and psychological stuff that it it almost feels like it could be very realistic, you know fears that everyone and, has yeah and that you i used had. to run up the stairs and i would throw i would turn the tv off the tv would be the last thing i would turn off throw the remote at the, the wall and sprint up the fucking stairs <laughs> well i would throw it onto the couch and my mom always knew because she would wake up in the morning and the couch and the batteries in the remote would just be sprawled oh on <laughs> and she's like Jesus. oh what happened yeah. and i was like i i, I ran up I like she's, the she's movie. yeah and it wouldn't even be that. I would have just played, been playing like Modern Warfare Two, and it was like eleven thirty and pitch black, and I would just run upstairs yeah. at seventeen so years I had, old. I had to like, I had to like in increments, like go on, go like turn the hallway off, go back, turn the kitchen light off, but the hallway light was on, so I could still see that. So I was able to go back to the hallway, go up the stairs, and turn my room light on, then go back and turn the hallway. It's a chain reaction. You always have to have exactly. two lights on it, so that you can turn it one fucked off. Me up for, like I don't know, like at least. 14 years after watching that movie. <laughs> so still um, now, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I do, uh, do want to ask, though, because we are talking about um, scares and chills. What do you think... Because, I mean, watching this movie now, I don't think it's that scary. No, I don't think it's We've scary at so all. so many movies these days. It's more but, chilling. Yeah, I mean, but... It's really just a psychological thriller. It's more chilling, for sure. Um, so I did want to ask, what scene do you think was the most chilling, slash more like, scary, slash whatever? I mean, what... What scene in this movie gave you the most, like, oop? I think the, the scene where it kind of gives it this sense of realism that, like, everybody everybody can has the sixth sense. It's just a question of if you're accepting it or really knowing what it is. When he's like, yeah, do you get that feeling when the hair sticks up on the back of your neck? And Bruce Willis is like, yes. And then he's like, that's them. So when he sees the the people handing in his old school, yeah. So well, that oh my god, After that imagery he was terrifying. Freaks out on the teacher. Yeah, because like, that was a line when he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I didn't even uh, yeah, but it happens after that. I'm not even talking. It. That's probably one of the most haunting images aside from the kid with the freaking shotgun blast in the back of his head. That was mine. Okay, <laughs> because that was he, fucked. It shows that they can show up out of nowhere. Like yeah. this kid has nothing to do with that story, but he just goes. Hey, you want to see where I keep they? My dad keeps his gun, and then when he turns around, and there's like that Holy crescendo shit, that's really quick. I was like, "Oh, okay," and then it leads it into the tent idea. separating, and that they're anything everywhere. under a sheet is scary because for that instant that it's still covered, you're not sure what's there until you get the reveal. But the other one that kind of freaked me was when she grabs his ankle because I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. And the music yeah. just kind of goes really loud, quiet, and then grabs him. Yeah. But then it eventually leads into the tape and everything. But yeah, the shotgun kid, that got me because I forgot it was happening. And so I was like, oh, okay, there's the wound. I, re I remember that one really freaking me out <laughs> when I first saw it. Uh, this today, like, I mean, t like when I rewatched it uh, yesterday, the scene that I think gave me the most chills was the scene when the kids throw him into that attic with that like abusive oh, ghost Jesus, and the guy's like screaming before he even goes into the room and he's just like like why'd you lock me in here like let me the fuck out let me out of here like he's freaking out and like colt's terrified petrified gets thrown in there and then 
you just know the ghost is just fucking going to town on Cole or something. And kept the door he's, shut. He like, yeah. yeah, and the door was locked, too, the whole time. Because like, that just put me in his shoes. I'm like, oh my god, this is fucking terrifying that he just can't get out and he's trapped inside with that ghost. Like, how terrifying would that be in that situation? But when I was a kid, it was the scene that uh, when he puts the flashlight on, the girl's in the tent and she's puking. Yep. That just scarred yeah. me. Oh my god. That yeah. Because that you saw crazy. that there was nothing there. Like you saw the yeah. inside of the tent. You knew there was nothing there, but it was just he turned that light on and the minute you saw the cold breath, you're just like, Where is it gonna come from? And the way he just shot from up to down, it, it just worked really well. Yeah. Definitely. Freakyish. I mean I, I Yeah, I mean this movie's chilling, I, but yeah, not really scary. The anymore. scene that's the most chilling and messed up that we've already mentioned is is the, the videotape and of the girl getting poisoned. I mean, the amount of stuff that he was able to reveal in a one minute videotape is, it's just mind bending. It's crazy. And I only M night Shyamalan, I feel like has, and is able to do something like that in the way that he does it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's like some black mirror shit, I guess. Like that's what that kind of scene reminded me of. It's just like, wow, we're going there right now. Didn't expect that from a movie well, in 1999. Yeah. And, and like the dad watches the tape at the funeral. Yeah. Oh and, like, the God. The other Everyone room, like, sees it. Like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, yeah. yeah. Shit. Everyone. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow. And like I had said, I forgot that that even happened. And so when I saw it, I was shocked because I was like, no way. I didn't realize it went that dark. Yeah. With just a subplot that didn't even really. Like he could. It have mattered, helped. but not essential to the story, I guess. He could have helped a, a spirit in multiple different ways, and M. Night went straight to that, like, as his mm-hmm. first spirit to help out is this girl who got literally murdered by her own mother. It's like, okay, here we are. Let's go. Could have done anything, and you did that. Um, so, with the whole cast, we have Bruce Willis, we have Tony Collette, Haley Joe Osment, uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, there's a couple other people. Wahlbergers? Um, it was also nominated for six Oscars, two including supporting actor for Haley Joel Osment and supporting actress for Tony Collette. Who do you think gave the best performance in this movie overall? I have my answer. While Nate's thinking, for me, it's without question Haley Joel Osment. Without question, okay. I and I'm one to nitpick a child's performance. This kid, I know you hate. Child I hate him, but I think that this is arguably the single best trial performance I've personally ever seen in a movie. I think the way that he was able to in like, just show the horror and the anguish that he was feeling like throughout the movie of just like, you really do feel like this kid is surrounded by spirits that are literally just cause he sees them the way that they were killed. So he's, you just see the look on his face, how he's just basically like always like sweating and his eyes are shaking. And it's like, this kid is, exactly what this movie needed and i can't imagine a version of the sixth sense without cole's character because he brings this thing together it's it's truly incredible what he's able to do so fun fact they actually michael sarah said that this was the first film he ever auditioned for and he played the scene in the edition of like the magic trick scene with bruce uh-huh. willis and he played it too cheerful because he didn't read the script and didn't realize that the kid was supposed to be like a quiet introverted like little kid but Haley joe osmond read the script three times the whole script three times that? before the audition and that's how i was able to get it i can't imagine uh, Michael nate Sarah do you agree do you have a different answer it's funny because bruce willis is great this is probably some of the best emotion that he's been able to show. Um, plus, he rocks the hairdo. Tony Collette 
is amazing. Like, I think she's a little underrated because the way that she's able to learn to communicate with her son and figure out what he's going through is really good. But I have to agree with John. It's Haley Joel Osment. And what does it for me is the scene where Bruce Willis decides that he can no longer help. And he's looking at him and he's yeah. like, how can you help me if you don't believe me? And it's just that look of desperation on his face. Like, you can't teach a kid that. He just knows how to convey it. And I kind of wish he had a bigger career moving forward because this showed a lot of possibility with him because he was just able to, every scene, make you feel like you're in his shoes. Like, you can relate with this kid who's got these fears, feels like a freak, can't really communicate with anyone because they don't understand like we've all felt that way before so i think strongly he was the best performance but honestly everyone was great so it's not everyone was you great. could you like, can't go wrong with any of them if tony collette had so, more time in this movie and obviously bruce willis like this could be arguably his best performance of all time but if tony collette had another 20 minutes in this movie like i might be saying her because she was amazing in every scene is this kind of just mother disturbed and like she just did not know what the hell was going on she was a lot like ellen burston and uh the exorcist with this child and i think mm -hmm. that was part of the inspiration because there was a scene she very similar to, uh to that movie but yeah everyone was great and that's probably a testament to m night his directing i definitely would have agreed and said that Haley Osment is the best performance in this movie until i watched the making of documentary that's included on this blu-ray where they go deep into what Donnie Wahlberg did for his character. Oh, God. Holy shit, dude. He lost 47 pounds for the five minutes of screen Okay, time. wait, he was the initial, the he first dude, He right? improvised a couple of lines. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was the first dude that was, like, Jesus, really skinny, man. crying. In his and, underwear, like, just, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, he went, like, he and his friend, like, went out and walked the streets of Philadelphia, like, late at night one time in character and just improvised. And apparently it led to him, like, running away, like, into like hiding in the bushes until, like, four in the morning and, like, acting, like, going into coffee shops as the character and, like, really trying to get into the headspace of this Holy kid shit. that was essentially cold without help. Because yeah. I, that's one of the things I kind of forgot about this movie. I think on this rewatch, I remembered it because I kind of had forgotten about it, that this character, I think his name was Vincent something. Yep. But Vincent Gray. Like Donnie Wahlberg. He had the same... Uh, sixth sense that Cole has is and he could see dead people and Bruce Willis finds that out when he listens to an old tape where he leaves the room and then some Spanish ghost comes in and starts like like pleading for help I guess uh, and so then he realizes like oh my god so Cole has the same disease that this guy that ended up killing me for like just you know, that I get neglected so he has to go and help Cole but Donnie Wahlberg where he brought to his limited screen time and they even like show behind the scenes of uh, his first day on set and, like, that he was just in a whole different mindset and just, like, he thought that he was going to have to do this for two days. But, like, he did such a good job that, like, basically take one. And it was, like, we, we have what we need. But, like, if you want to keep going, like, we could do another take. Wow. And he's, like, okay. <laughs> but just, the like, I, I don't know. Just he went so method for such little screen time. And if he was in this movie more and as this character, I think it would be, like, Donnie Wahlberg would be an Oscar winner. I mean, you think he was it, that fucking you think the movie's good, better but he just had like five if minutes. If they have so. him more, like if there were more scenes, like, I don't know, maybe flashbacks or just... I don't know. I don't know I, what they would have done. I'm sure that this character of Vincent must have been a huge character in uh, a previous draft. Maybe like this was the Cole character that like before yeah. he like settled on the young kid. Maybe this character was the guy that he was envisioning for the for the 
story, but because uh, like his character was so fleshed out and like had I mean, such an, an amazing performance from Donnie Wahlberg, like of all people. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, he never really he went on to do like reality TV after this. <laughs> like he could have had such a fucking massive acting career. I mean, I think this was better than anything Mark Wahlberg's fucking done in terms of like performances and just five minutes of screen time. But uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing what he brought to just his limited role was pretty fascinating. And the, but, the yeah, Haley Joel is probably. I, mean, I didn't yeah, even know line, that was him. So that's a testament to his performance. The line that he delivers. Now that I'm kind of connecting that he could also see the ghosts and whatnot makes his line more terrifying when he's like, do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? I do. I know why. And then it's like, oh, because if you get a chill or your hair stands up, you always when you're that person, you have to be on watch because something's going to come out of somewhere and you can't control it. So I can imagine without Malcolm, what um, Cole would have become. Just no one could understand. Yeah. He has no way to prove it, and so he's stuck with his demons, and that's terrifying. I think it makes sense that we Ugh, got yeah. so little of Donnie Wahlberg because Cole Cole is really the catalyst to Bruce Willis's redemption story. Like To have mm-hmm. both characters go full circle and, and have their redemption... It needs to focus on him trying to make up for, I guess, what could be considered a mistake with... Winston, don't you dare bark at... We're trying to do a fucking podcast, Winston. God. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he hears something upstairs. Well, well he does. He probably does. Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg's character. No, he probably yeah. does. Yeah. It's probably my grandfather yeah, go, coming to say Jesus. <laughs> go yeah, check, go, probably, dude. Go check for Donnie Wahlberg. If he's, like, in your kitchen making a sandwich, just be like... In his um, tidy whitey underwear. There in his tidy yeah. Exactly. So apparently, he was going to play the the character nude uh, because, like, that was him apparently shedding all this weight that he's been carrying his whole life, and he just wants to go out because he's going to already committed that he's going to kill himself. So he's like, "I'll just go out nude." But during the shooting, they're like, "Can, you, can we put on pants? Yeah, like, please. Oh, really? Please. And he's like, "All right, I'll do tidy whities but that's it." And he's like, "Okay, give him tidy whities <laughs> It worked. It really worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Donnie. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Character building, really well done. Yeah, really good movie. It's great. Okay. And uh, the last question I will ask before we give our final thoughts and grades, uh, because this movie was nominated for six Oscars. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, and Film Editing. Of those six, it didn't win anything. It was all just nominated for. Of those six, though, which Oscar would you give this movie out of those categories? 1999 was the year of the Green Mile, so I don't. I, yes, I can give. I have the list of other. Yeah, films please, nominated, please so elaborate can, on the bigger categories. I don't care about like editing and stuff. But. I do, without knowing the other nominees, though, just out of curiosity, which category though would you give an Oscar to for this film out of those six? I would say, give it to Haley Joel for supporting. Honestly, why not? I, I would say screenplay, just because this is like one of the first big twists that if you never knew anything about it it would get you it doesn't matter if you're a young kid or an adult this was gonna scare you and the fact that this was his first and he was able to just convey the emotion and the characters i would say screenplay but then again Um, acting awards could have gone either way so it would have been cool to see Haley joel osmond win an oscar at what 11 years maybe. old yeah 10, 11 yeah. yeah 11 he was 11 or 12 yeah um 
But yeah, I mean that's the thing is that he was also in a category with Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, out of those performances, I would give the Oscar to Michael Clark Duncan, and that's not even who actually won the Oscar. It was Michael Caine for the Cider House rules. <sighs> I so. yeah. I've seen the movie; it's it's okay, but I don't think that he <laughs> gives the best performance out of Haley Joel Osment and Michael Clark Duncan among other actors. Um, yes, boss. I would agree that screenplay or directing would be the one that I would give this to because. Screenplay went to American Beauty. Directing went to American Beauty. I think you can at least split mm, that well. and give success a directing or <laughs> screenplay because American Beauty didn't need both of them. Yeah, uh, I mean it's a good movie, but I think, I think yeah, I think I deserve the best. The screenplay year of for dinner sure table scenes, movie. I suppose, when in terms of uh, screenplay nominated films, some good dinner yeah, table I scenes. So. M Night does like his dinner table scenes and movies based in Philadelphia. Yes, every movie is basically filmed in Philadelphia. Yeah. For, I'm not Shyamalan. I've only been to the Philadelphia what airport, but it kind of makes me want to go to Philadelphia and get a cheesesteak and then go home right after. Does Avatar all take place in downtown Philadelphia? Yeah, I believe it does. <laughs> it's after just all Earth green screen. Philadelphia with Will Smith. And, <laughs> it's just Philadelphia. Yeah. You just see the Rocky statue um, in the background. They just CGI it to look like an airbender Avatar statue. Might as well. <laughs> it's just Rocky. <laughs> Oh. All right, so The Sixth Sense, John, on this rewatch, what would you give this film? Oh, man. It's it's a timeless movie. I think after 20, 23, am I doing math? Math. 23 years, yes, it it uh, it stands the test of time. You know, I think, I think even knowing the twists like this, this movie just has a completely different experience, and you just love seeing all the little things that he puts in here. Um to make it just a very well fleshed out story for all the characters. It's so well written. It's so well directed. Every every performance in here is just phenomenal. And just, the, I don't know, I just love the feeling that M. Night was able to create in his first couple movies. Like, he did it with Signs. He did it with Unbreakable. And I would probably say this is better than Unbreakable. And I really like that movie. Um, after a rewatch, I, I really do think this is probably his best movie um, overall. And it might be Bruce Willis's best best movie as well. It's it's really really good. And it, after this conversation, honestly, I would love to go rewatch it again because just there's a few things you guys mentioned that I I clearly got glossed over a little bit that I I want to see again. So do I want to be that guy? <laughs> do I want to be that guy? Sure, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a perfect score. I'm gonna give it a five out of five. Why not? I don't have any reason not to. Okay. There you go. All right, well, Nate, no pressure. There's no need for you to give this a five out of five. Just true, honest opinions. I mean, you rewatched the Sixth Sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be that guy. Yeah, I, 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 sucked. I lied five. about it. I don't everything. think it's that fucking bad. It's One of the greatest cool. movies ever. Uh, I'm giving it a two out of five. <laughs> and that's like me for every podcast. Um, yeah. yeah. The Sixth Sense. So w- before we like logged on and everything, I had forgotten to record it on Letterboxd. And I guess when I first watched it, I never logged it either, so I had to kind of give it a new rating. I don't even think I maybe graded it. Let me see what I I gave it. I gave it a four and a half, mainly because of the twist and knowing it. But now that I'm thinking about it, I can't control that. Like, you know a twist, you're not going to forget it unless it's been years and years. But this is The Sixth Sense, one of the biggest twists ever in one of the biggest movies of the 90s i'm i'll I'll do it 
John, five out of five. Let's go. It, 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 you can't control the fact that you know a twist, but the fact that I can still enjoy it, love the characters, and almost cry, even knowing the twist, I'll, I'll give it a five out of five. Like, this is... It's incredible. This is yeah. his best movie. It is. His best movie. Yeah. I don't think... I think without question, honestly. It really is. Wow, Spencer it's... looks like he's having a, a stroke slash aneurysm. Well, I'm, like, trying to, like process this i think this might be 15 stars tonight is this the first time ever this is the first time all three of us are given a movie a five out of five green mile i don't think so though because that's what i was kind of glitching out for yeah i think we all gave the green mile a five out of five and i think we all gave cinema paradiso a five out of five which is pretty crazy because that's not Um, a very big john film but that movie blew me away i don't know about (laughs) cinema paradiso i I feel unless Maybe Moulin not. Rouge? I feel like we did, yeah, because I, I remember it being a big moment in the podcast where we were like, I'm doing it. Five yeah. out of five. Like, <laughs> we were all like, holy shit, like, what the fuck? Uh, maybe, though. I mean, I don't know. We'd, no, uh, I gave Cinema Parody, so a five. Arrival? Okay, yeah. You guys, I know um, we really loved Arrival. I don't know if we got loved it that much, all of us, though. Uh, no, Arrival, I think, was a uh, four yeah. for me. Because that's like the, because um, I thought about that movie today because I feel like that's the, Denis Villeneuve is that. like the new... M Night of when M Night came out with his kind of just like every movie was good, but Denny Denny Villeneuve is just every movie is good like right now like he hasn't really missed anything. It's literally just D- Denny Villeneuve just standing in front of like an old like spaceship. Yeah, and just looking exactly <laughs> the, the new M Night, the next M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. It's just I don't Denis know. I wouldn't take that. I'd be yeah. like, no, no, don't put, <laughs> don't do that. Don't put that evil on him. <laughs> don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Sorry. All right, Spencer. No, of course. No pressure. Yeah, no. I mean, like, I, I think I already uh, gave it away. I definitely am giving this success a five out of five. Uh, it's just, I, I, it's in my top fifty of all time. Just excellent performances, excellent storytelling, directing. Uh, it still gives me chills to this day. I mean, I had the hair stand up on the back of my neck twice during the rewatch yesterday, and it's probably like my fourth, fourth or fifth time watching it. So, it's just a great movie. Uh, it's M Night at the top of his game. It's no wonder he was so hyped up to be the next Spielberg. I mean, he was just making movies that were so personal and just very, very chilling. So, yeah, the Sixth Sense. If you haven't seen this movie, which I just like, I feel like everybody has seen the Sixth Sense at this point. Um, check it out. It's worth it. Hundred percent. If you were born in the in the nineties, like around when we were within that, I don't know, within that time, you must have watched it. God, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, Nate didn't see it till college, though, so who knows? And he, so, and he's a movie guy. So if you haven't seen it, I, you gotta watch it, especially if you haven't seen any of any other M Night movies. This might turn you on to wanting to watch some of his other films and making your own opinion on whether or not they're good. I will say uh, the fact that it was the late '90s is one of uh, like the greatest reasons to watch the bonus features on the Blu-ray <laughs> because there's a 40-minute documentary that's like. Um, reflections from the set so it's like interviews with the cast talking about like the characters how they first uh, came to it it's also scenes that were filmed on set like the scene with Donnie Wahlberg you get that whole entire sequence you get Tony Collette like a a personal look into her character and her and how she like brought um, her acting to the character as well and you hear from M. Night I mean talking about just all the different drafts that he went through and just seeing all the tech of filmmaking equipment from the 90s Mm -hmm. because I mean it's so fascinating <laughs> seeing all of like the dated equipment and them trying to make this movie. But yeah, so there's deleted scenes, there's reflections from set, like that documentary, uh, segment called Between Two Worlds, talking about be like a, like ghosts and 
real life and how they use the color red to kind of indicate uh like the the two worlds and stuff um they have a whole music and sound design reaching the audience rules and clues and also a little fun feature on the disc if you leave it kind of idling for a while you hear the music crescendo of a ghost walking by like the so yeah if you leave it on for a while you will hear that just randomly happen on the disc Hmm. but yeah i don't know why that reminded me but one of the scenes we didn't mention that i completely forgot about obviously was the scene when tony collette is looking at all the photos and she and sees, sees the the, uh, the the blue kind of prism almost behind mm-hmm. Cole. Oh, I love that. I love that. That was, I don't know, just little hints. Also, awesome. apparently, I didn't notice this when I first watched it. I just read about it afterwards. Uh, the scene when Tony Collette is watching her son go to school and like uh, the son like paid the kid to kind of walk with him to make it look like he had friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, she paid the kid. The kid was like, oh, how do you like that armor? I don't think I don't think it was that. Um, or, or, but anyways, know. the scene when the she's looking at him out the window. Apparently, behind the curtain, there's a figure standing there, and you can see it if you like are looking hard enough. But, what? I might have to go yeah, back. Fix and... me out. <laughs> it's because I'm like huh. I want to know if I want to see that. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, it, it needs a it needs a 4K release. I will say. I mean, I watch this on a 4K player. I watch it on a Sony 4K TV. It was a little flat. It, was, it, it could use a new transfer. That's all I'll say. Yeah, it's sure. not streaming anywhere. I had to yeah. stream it. I had to uh, rent it for $4 on Amazon uh, Prime Video. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it looks fine. I wasn't expecting anything visually insane, but yeah. obviously a 4K, I totally, I would love to buy the 4K release of this movie. I mean, maybe there's not a good scan of the film. I mean, I, I don't think Steins is even in... A 4K. I think it's there's a Blu-ray of Signs, but there's not a 4K of Unbreakable. Signs. Uh, Unbreakable was the one that got a 4K. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because Ooh, the, then again, that. and that one deserves that. that. Just randomly, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would love to see Six Sense and Signs also join 4K because uh, I think those are definitely like they, they go back and forth for me for like my favorite M Night. I mean, <laughs> I love all three of those. We might need to reasons, watch so. Signs on here because yeah. that's another movie that I have not watched since probably in your basement in like 2014. Like. So fun fact, I've gone to different bull mooses over the last couple of months and it's always been one that I've looked for is Signs yeah. just to see if they have it. But uh, no luck. And I think it's out of print. So I, don't I think, think it just gets it made fun of because of the but, I'll look on Saturday. But, hmm. Thinking, of, oh, sorry. Speaking of out of print Blu-rays... Nate, we're back to your collection, and I believe that you selected a film that is currently out of print. I did. So, what are we watching for next week's episode of Collector's Corner? Should I so know? We're... I don't know. Huh? I I don't know what this is. This is gonna be. A surprise I think to you'll me. be. I think you'll be reminded. Okay. Yes, yeah. because this is a film that I purposely like seeked out a year ago to get the out of print copy, just because I'm a Criterion loyalist. Um. So this cost me a pretty penny, but it, it's definitely worth it because the movie is amazing. I I love the movie. It's called Harold and Maude. Oh, wait. Harold and Maude. I believe it's from the 70s. I don't have my copy on hand. Um, but it has Ruth Gordon, who won an Oscar in Rosemary's Baby. Um, and Bud Court, who plays this kid who's just obsessed with death and killing himself and you just kind of you see this relationship spark but it's a really good movie and it did go out of print recently so if you can find it for less than a hundred dollars on amazon i would say grab it um 
because it won't come back unless for in a few years it may, might get a 4K release or something. I mean, this is, but, I, we'll definitely get into it next week. Yeah. But, I mean, it, isn't this a movie that you paid like $60 for what? just because it was out of print or like it was, it was a premium price because of the out of print. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll we can talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk, it's, we'll uh, talk about it next time. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm Same, not uh, happy about it, but I don't <laughs> regret it. <laughs> hey, have you watched the edition that's come yet? I will. <laughs> okay, perfect. So well, this, give, this is justification for me buying it, us talking right, about perfect. it. So we'll have to do um, that for another one, too. All I know about this movie, I, I've watched the first 10 minutes of it. It's one of those movies that I tried to watch and I fell asleep during but I know that it's a Hal Hashby movie, mm-hmm. and he did being, being there. there. That's what I was waiting I really, to say. Really like it. I own that. On, <laughs> I own that on Criterion. Yeah. And I know he also did a movie with Jack Nicholson called The Last Detail. I just know the poster. I haven't seen the movie. Don't know anything about it. But um, yeah, he's one of those filmmakers that I just have only seen like one of his films, and I definitely would like to see more. And I know Harold and Maude is in just film history. It's just been a huge movie, or just a movie that people talk about all the time. So. Uh, definitely one that we need to check off our, our watch list. I'm so excited to watch it again, but, especially so, yeah. on this expensive edition. I'm going to like insert it wearing white gloves on a silver plate. You might I have to be careful. Yeah. Looking forward to see the graphic. You get all together. the special uh, features uh, out of the way too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You paid for There's them. a lady, there's yeah. an actress named Vivian Pickles in this movie. <laughs> oh, even better. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Harold and Maude, not Apatow. Ooh. Um, <gasps> on Apatow? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, that is our episode of The Sixth Sense. Comment below what you thought of this movie, The Sixth Sense, and we know that you've seen it. So uh, let us know. Were you, were you surprised by the twist? Did you see it coming? Did you Did you already know it was going to happen? I don't know. Let us know. Comment below. And follow us at those movie dudes on Instagram. Go listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just type in those movie dudes on any podcasting site. I'm sure we're there. Uh, you can listen to any of our episodes. We have episodes on so many different movies. So go and check a it out. A lot of movies. Well. Leave us a review. It's actually crazy. Yeah. Like how in conversation like we're like, oh man, we've done an episode more. on that. Okay, cool. Go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> like we did an episode on Coda the weekend it came out before any hype. So yes. go and listen to that. Go listen. Oh, it's paired with the Kissing Booth 3. Yeah, yeah sorry oh, about that. Oh my god, that. Apologies in advance. <laughs> you can skip 20 minutes in and just hear Coda if you want. Fucking movie. Let's <laughs> get oh. And I'm not the smartest person in the world, so don't lead by my example. Thanks.